Welcome to the Jumping Through Hoops podcast series. I'm Hannah Charlotte. I'm a multidimensional entrepreneur, marketing, media, and mindset wizard, and mum of three. And I have set this podcast up in order to serve and support you in your journey of entrepreneurship. Enjoy. Welcome back to episode 59 of the Jumping Through Hoops podcast with myself, Hannah Charlotte. And today I am interviewing Tom Howard, who is someone I actually haven't met in person yet, but who I've met through a mutual friend. And uh, we are waiting to meet, aren't we, at some point, because you are a photographer um, and you used to be a celebrity photographer and you've got really interesting story to share. Um, so I'm going to introduce you now, Tom. So say hi to everybody. <laughs> hello, hello, everyone. Hello. Hey. Uh, thank you for that mini introduction. I still am a celebrity photographer. It's just the phone doesn't ring. <laughs> Brilliant. So let, let's hear all about you um, and your backstory of how you actually got into photography in the first place. I know you've just been discussing with me before we start recording this that you've been uh, a photographer for over 30 years. So let's right, yeah. hear about it. Well, I, uh, my father was a TV director producer and aged 10 or 11, he gave me his Nikon F camera with a 50 mil um, prime lens on it, which had been his family holiday camera. It's a great big weighty clunky thing. And I was fascinated by it. And I started taking pictures and I had a dark room that I'd set up in the downstairs bathroom at the family home. And the first time I saw a print emerge in a tray of developer under the red lights, the dark room light, I was transfixed by that. And that sat with me. Um, for a long time and I went down the path of studying hard and doing O-levels as they were called back then and A-levels and then I found myself starting a degree in architecture but it wasn't a fit for me because I didn't know what I wanted to do and it was more about pleasing parents and family around me saying what are you going to do with your life so I fell back to photography when I gave up architecture okay well interesting so basically you're saying you kind of were inspired a little bit by by your father then to get into it that's quite interesting I never knew that so yeah although his medium was television and this was stills and there, there's a big crossover, but there are a lot of differences yeah. between them. But in my time, I've, I've directed pop promos off the back of the celebrity music photography I was doing. So I sort of played with both mediums and they, they are very different to me. And I'm, I'm actually re returning to moving image as we'll maybe discuss later. Wow, that's quite interesting. I, as I say, I didn't know that, that that's how you kind of got into photography, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it's really interesting. So then you actually started doing it as a job. You decided you weren't going to carry on with studying what you were doing in architecture and you decided mm -hmm. to take up photography as a career. So I, 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 after I uh, flunked out of doing a degree in architecture and went to lowly art college to do an HND in photography. Um, I then arrived in London with a portfolio of, at the time I was really into black and white infrared photography, which was very, very gritty, grainy stuff. And I had some quite thoughtful portraits of people and touted them around 
record companies, magazines, and had a lot of interest. And I remember Morrissey's label saying, oh, Morrissey would love this um, in the way that um, people talk about these things that never happen. And that never happened. And I then had to be humble and uh, work in a photographic studio and learn, uh, you know, come up through the ranks of T-boy to, to messenger to kit organizer to mm. meeting people and assisting photographers, which I did a lot of. Yeah. And coming up through the ranks in that manner. Mm. And then in the 90s, I find myself on a first class Virgin Atlantic flight to Hong Kong, or was it Tokyo, to photograph the Spice Girls releasing Wannabe. Brilliant. (laughs) Brilliant. So you really did have to kind of work to get to that stage of of being obviously I guess you did you hold that vision the whole time did you know that that's what you wanted to do when you started off you know assisting other photographers did you know that that was the route you really wanted to go down what, into photographing celebrities yeah yeah not at all not no at all um um I think I was definitely interested in pointing a camera at people I, I, I um, very quickly, when I was assisting photographers, learned that still life was a still death and it was not me. So it was very definitely people oriented. Mm. And, but uh, um, I, I started reading Vanity Fair and looking at Annie Leibovitz's work and you know, I'd studied the history of photography and had, you know, I was fans of people like mm. Bailey and Bresson and all of the, all of these photographers. Um, but I never had, I never had an end goal. I fell into mm. the pop photography, the celebrity photography mm. and did it for a, a long time. And I think even at the time I didn't really appreciate how lucky I was because I was f- there was a, a always a, a an emptiness a, 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 an empty hole that wasn't being filled by what I was doing and I was I've been plagued with periods of depression throughout my life and I was the proverbial duck all calm on the surface and paddling like mm. fury mm. Und- underneath, thinking that I was just getting away with it, that I, um, what's the syndrome? Um, imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome, mm. yeah. Really full of the, 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 the amount of lack of any self-confidence. Mm. So I became an expert at wearing a mask and the mask was a a sort of cheeky, in your face, irreverent person because I've always hated having my picture taken. I've felt incredibly self-conscious. So when I point a camera at someone, I assume that they're gonna feel like that. So my job is to make them feel at ease in some way and if that and that has taken take i've sort of played different games with it but it's to do with Mm self-deprecation being outrageous my friends say i've got tom's tourette's i am consciously making every effort to swear much less than I have done in the past because I'm uh, beginning to learn that what you put out comes back Mm. to get you. Yeah. So let's go back and talk a little bit about briefly about that world that you were kind of immersed in with celebrities, the lifestyle, and I guess how you then transitioned out of that world. 
and so obviously I know you're still a photographer but you've gone down a completely different route now um I still photograph people yeah um a lot they just they're not celebrities yeah yeah uh, and, and and um I'm not demeaning celebrities I'm in in a way I would get phone calls saying can you are you available to photograph so and so I would not know who they were more of the time than not. And then the duck would start paddling and then I'd look on the internet and go, oh, they're this person. And if I actually admired them, then my anxiety levels would go up a notch or two. Um, but on the whole, I profess to not being interested in celebrity itself. Mm. It's always been the person behind the celebrity because I think I've worn a mask and I know what I'm like behind that mask. And it's what that is, what is the honesty and the mm. truth behind these things. And yeah. the photographs that I'm doing now, and we'll get to, I, I, I have been living out of a mobile home on the road. And you, it's, it's, it's amazing how you meet people. And I've been documenting that and photographing real mm. people. And um, they're intimate pictures that I feel are some of my better work in recent years mm. because, I've, because there's a freedom to it that isn't linked to earning money or anything commercial yeah so talk a little bit about how you then how how did you transition from those two because they're very contrasting worlds aren't they so you know being mm. a celebrity photographer in London traveling the world to then being like a well you've become quite a spiritual nomad I guess like you're traveling around and and Mm. as you said you know photographing still but in a completely different context so let's talk about when did and not earning any money for it (laughs) 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 we're talking about entrepreneurialism (laughs) that's coming that's that's on the horizon but when did that actually happen that transition period can you pinpoint a time and was yes, there an impacting yes. moment in your life that caused that transition it's a, a multi-step thing but um pure sloth <laughs> and lack of self-confidence and being full of self-loathing it was literally falling from one situation to another to another and um so i was never good at self-promotion there was always the self-effacing make an idiot of myself or or there was this thing that wasn't me Mm. there was a disconnect from someone who i felt that Mm -hmm. i was and that ended up with, well, I think the celebrity thing in part, well, I have contemporaries who are still doing it and I cope with feelings of jealousy or envy about their longevity, but I also accept where I am on my journey. Yeah. And, and it's like, it, 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 the, the, it wasn't, long term it wasn't a sustainable mm-hmm. thing and lo and behold the last couple of years uh with covid my sort of uh backbone of earning a living was based very much on event photography mm-hmm. and covid hit and it yeah. was tumbleweed mm-hmm. And, and pretty much has been since then, I wasn't happy doing it anyway for decreasing fees and increasing workloads, uh, unsociable hours of day and night. 
and that ended up being all that I was doing because celebrity photography had left me behind or I'd mm -hmm. left it behind and there were all these unanswered questions and uh I you know <laughs> it's all part of life's journey and you add a, 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 a failed marriage to the mix and I went I had a rock bottom mm. and um it was time to start looking yeah and that was you know well I've been dealing with it all my life but I certainly my marriage falling apart was a very definite turning point because I brought children into the world mm. and had these responsibilities and there's a big deal mm. and the guilt and shame that you carry for all these things so everything was exacerbated I fell apart and uh yeah you go down all the routes of antidepressants and therapy and this and that I've always been more left field and anti-establishment and looking for things that are outside the box which is with, with the blessing of my young nephew um how I ended up going to Peru and going to an ayahuasca retreat for a month yeah so this is something I really wanted um to to talk to you about because I I've actually been looking into um ayahuasca ceremonies for a long time I've not actually ever been to one I've never tried ayahuasca but I yeah. I, I listen to a lot of um podcasts and I follow a lot of um spiritual teachers entrepreneurs that have actually um done an ayahuasca ceremony and they have said how it's been quite life-changing so can you talk a little bit about that then and tell us about your experience with it mm. <laughs> where, to, <laughs> where to begin oh my goodness um i think uh until what i've been doing now in the recent months or the last year or so that experience in Peru was the hardest thing that I've done. And it's about cleansing mm. and it's about purging and it's a spiritual, uh, I, I always, I, I knew that I I'm, uh, I've always been an agnostic or, you know, my parents are, have <laughs> interesting religious backgrounds. I've never felt religious, but I've definitely felt the calling of something spiritual, mm -hmm. but never taken the time to look at it properly. And yeah. going to Peru was that opportunity. And you, I did it for a month with, you do ceremonies, two nights running that would start at 9 p.m. And Papa Emilio was my shaman and you're in the jungle and you've got the noise of the jungle around you and it's very sacred it's a serious business mm. and so you sit quietly in a roundhouse on the locker with all the jungle noises and you're given the ayahuasca which is difficult not to regurgitate immediately because it tastes so bitter and disgusting so just in case people don't know what ayahuasca is and what we're talking about here it's um it's plant medicine isn't it it comes from it's, it's it. plant it's plant medicine which has been used by the shipibu tribes people of peru and other countries mm -hmm. in south america for thousands of years and it's a combination of the ayahuasca vine which is a vine that grows up trees and a shakuna leaf and how those tribes people discovered that the mixing of those two they describe it that it's a teaching medicine but mm. their lives are very intricately involved with the jungle and their environment mm. which is where the Western world has lost its footing. Mm. Um, so it's sacred. And 
It's so ayahuasca is a combination of those two leaves that are cooked up in a cauldron over a fire for 12 hours by an ayahuasquero. And he teaches his son how to do it. And they, they crack down, they pummel the vineyards, mm. brew this mixture. And um, it contains DMT, which is a, a hallucinogenic. Mm. So it's so it's illegal in this country as yet, although there seem to be a lot of um, a lot of research going into psilocybin and addiction and depression and uh, I, I my going there was like I was going to hospital I, I didn't go to Machu Picchu I just went to this ayahuasca retreat mm. pretty much and was there and they Papa Emilio would you would sit in ceremony and you'd drink the medicine and have trouble keeping it down and you'd sit and then it would take hold and Papa Emilio would also have taken the medicine as would other people in the Malocca and he'd start singing Icarias which are songs but they are everyone is different and the the, the belief that they have is Papa Emilio's jungle spirit was a, is a black panther and the Akadias, he is just a conduit that mother ayahuasca and the universe and the jungle mm -hmm. brings these things. And those Akadias, they sit and sing in front of you and spit perfume over you and it's ceremonial and it promotes purging and mm. you spend the night th throwing up and shitting yourself <laughs> and sitting in contemplation. <laughs> this sounds terrible. <laughs> like I say, really it was, appealing. One, it was um, one of the hardest things I've done. Yeah. I, I have heard that it's horrendous to go through but I, I know so many people I've spoken to that have gone through it have had life-changing experiences from it. So, so what it is is they, they see it as a teaching medicine so it's like having a mirror put in, up in front of you and you see yourself for who you are for the first time properly mm. and that's quite painful to look at. So can you talk a little bit about what any of your experiences with it what did you see <laughs> <laughs> well the hard work started after I returned to my life mm. and I fell apart after I came back mm. that was four and a half years ago now I think and I've basically been slowly rebuilding myself but I sort of understood that my house that I'd built from, you know, my childhood and those experiences, the house that I'd built was crooked. It was, there were things that were not right about yeah. it, which is why I'd gone through my life feeling incomplete. Yeah. And so my Peru experience was a very definite turning point to starting to look inside properly, mm. properly. And so coming back to my life afterwards has been hard in part, but it's been uh, uh, definitely a personal development mm. journey and I've fallen by the wayside and, but um, in the last year, things have changed quite drastically for me, born out of difficult circumstances and my, you know, photographic career grinding to a halt and various experiences with human interconnection that you feel let down by and um, 
and you know there's pers it's personal stuff but you know a lot of things built up to the point where it seems along with the covid story and everything i thought to hell with it i'm going to rent my flat out which i own and buy a mobile home and go into nature and that's what i did and that has been a uh, uh, that was when you and i first met during that and that has been revelatory in terms of I was caught up in the rat race, in the paying the bills, in the, oh my God, in fear, in fear. And I, it took a while, but, um, you know, I'd say a couple of weeks to, to where my brain and my body and my spirit kind of went, oh, a massive sigh. And since then, you know, I've been learning a huge amount and reading a lot and studying, mm. doing a lot of personal work. And the take-homes of it, of it are very definitely, for me, are that my brain, my spirit, I, you can only listen to your spirit from a place of calm and tranquility. Mm. So I hadn't listened to my spirit, although it was screaming at me in the form of depression, mm. but you spend your life running away from yeah. these things you fear most. And, you know, it, in, in having the courage to turn around and stop and take stock and reevaluate has been the most valuable thing to me. Mm. And I've learned a huge amount about myself and where I've been going wrong and I'm well beneath the summit of that mountain but the trajectory is positive mm. rather than flatlining or indeed based on life actions taken through fear and one thing that I've learned is that I think way too, like way too many of us without even realizing it are driven by fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that one. I think it's, um, it's the reason behind a lot of people not following their true calling and their true purpose in life is, is fear. We're all prisoners mm. of fear in to a certain extent. Um, so would you say when you went and did this ayahuasca ceremony and spent time in Peru, would you say that was like your first sort of catalyst of your, like obviously you had a spiritual awakening from what you're describing. It's a huge spiritual awakening where yes. you start to listen to yourself. And I, I guess this is where, I, is that, that the point where you sort of changed the trajectory of you know the photography as well because I know you, if you want to talk a little bit about how you've also gone down the poetry route and you're starting to write more as well now yeah uh, yeah and there's um it's a, there's no there's been no um I wish I could lay claim to having forged my path it has been one of tripping and stumbling from one stroke of luck to the next as it were, mm. because I've lived my life full of fear and not known who I am. I still don't know who I am, but I know who I am a lot more than I did a year ago. Yeah. And where I am now, I feel excited potential. So this whole idea of the world is really messed up at the moment now politically and our capitalist culture and we could go down that route where we really the, the, the most valuable thing one can do as a member of humanity to better humanity is to work on yourself mm. 
that's it that's it bottom line and and it's it's been very valuable lessons learning the art of not getting caught up in my narrative around things that happen mm-hmm. to me and beginning to take the stance of the impassive observer of mm. what's happening around you and then rather than rather than living your life from a reactionary place of resentment anger at the world you can choose your battles you can choose what you're going to get emotionally involved with because that takes energy and there's only so much energy that we've got so why not put your energy into positive things yeah and those sort of you know it's like telling people how to suck eggs but it's not because it's it's like it's so basic that we miss it Mm. yeah Um, a lot of my poems, so I write, I've written all my life. I'm a, I'm a left, very left-handed person, which is quite an interesting philosophical thing to talk about. And I've started doing van interviews in my van uh, with interesting people about these sort of things. And um, that might become something a youtube channel Mm. uh of the van interviews and it's really my my quest given the journey that i'm on in myself which seems to be searching for truth and honesty so these interviews that i'm engaging people in although the, the 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 topics that we are talking about are very diverse the, the the common thread is honesty and truth mm. and there's yeah. one other word that sums those two up and it's love if you're willing to be vulnerable and admit that it's not a big taboo love is it <laughs> it's not all valentine's day <laughs> Yeah, we, we have quite a few conversations about this, actually, don't we, about it, it self-love is... Um, is everything. It, it, yeah. And, and, and I am the expert. I've spent years sitting, staring out a window, smoking a fag and wishing myself not here and loathing the ground I walk on and the air that I breathe. And it's no way to exist. Mm. And But... but I've had to go back and figure out why, where that's come from. And you can only do that from a real calm place. And I've been doing lots of reading of very interesting people. And I'm now understanding that privileged and um with without poverty i had a very happy upbringing but it wasn't without its traumas mm. and I, um there's a, a psychologist i've been reading a lot of dr gabel mate who talks about these this subject and it's i've i've found it deeply valuable to read his work and he works with addiction but it's all about um the neural pathways that we are formed in our very early childhood experiences which are linked to our parents background and their parents background Mm -hmm. and there is always trauma linked to that but it's the great unspoken of in so many families yeah and that is where i've started to understand where my empty place came from and in understanding it then 
I can get a step closer to the answer to the cure for that. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, absolutely. I'd say like the generational coding, um, which, you know, we, we carry through, um, actually carry through our DNA as well, don't we? Through there are elements of all of these grandparents, great grandparents, and, and a lot of it is is completely subconscious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I call this um, shadow work. Okay. <laughs> uh, I got quite heavily involved with 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 uh, working as I call on my shadow last year um, with a girl called Danielle Massey. Um, she's she's known as the Shadow Queen. <laughs> so it it's what you're talking about there. It kind of um, resonates quite a lot with me work I've been doing on my shadow and I think everyone carries this shadow which as of you course. said in it's, the sub subconscious it's but without the shadow you can't see the light so yeah. you, you've got to embrace it all yeah yeah absolutely so talk about a little bit the obviously you're saying you've been inspired with with your writing as well um, and, and your poetry and and talk about the author you were just talking about Gabor Mate just now um uh how how his read it has teachings have inspired you well he <laughs> he's a very clever man and has taken time to he's obviously a specialist in his field he's a psychologist and he's highly intelligent and but he, he is a deeply compassionate and thoughtful man. And his take on addiction, and he worked on Skid Row in Vancouver for over a decade and saw all sorts of atrocious things. Mm. And it's, his take on addiction is... The addicts that he was dealing with are at the cutting edge. They're the smackheads, the crackheads. Mm. But humanity is addicted. We're all addicted to whatever it is that distracts us mm. from our worst fears, which is why so many, most of us, uh, spend our lives living in fear, yeah. running away from something which is why um, I work with a therapist who is invaluable and has written a book called 12 Steps to One Hero. His name is David Hurst and you should tag him on this. Um, and it's, it's a 12-step program, much like the Alcoholics Anonymous program, but you can put any label that you want other than you can include alcohol, and I have because I have a relationship with it, but you can include depression, sex, food, shopping, running, the mm. gym. Mm. We all have these things that, that to, to distract distract us from what we need to be looking at. Mm -hmm. And this is the spiritual path. It's it's, so when depression hits, it's your spirit saying there's something that needs looking at. And yeah. I spent my life running away from that something. And it's taken me quite a long time to actually have the courage to stop and turn around and look at it and start learning. Mm. And that is what, um, that is the most valuable thing you can do for humanity. Mm. It's about being, and I always, the word selfish was a very bad word in my book growing up. And, and I still believe it is in, there are a lot of very selfish people in the world. But in terms of what we're talking about, in terms of spiritual spirituality, you, the, mo the most important thing you can do is turn in and examine yourself so that you can have a benchmark from which you understand the world that's operating around you. Right. And in understanding yourself, you then understand how other people work and then you can have more acceptance of 
and therefore you have an easier ride and what you put out grows yeah. and that's where love comes into it so mm. and um, it's, yeah like you said like a ripple effect and I going back to what you're saying it really resonates with I, I truly believe if we don't work on ourselves as you say we carry it on through generations and generations and and then the world won't change um yeah. so yeah sorry <laughs> no well it's, a, it's the most valid point because mm. our children are the future of our humanity and let's face it our biggest drive is to procreate that's why we like sex so much but the drive behind that is for our children and look at how the system that we live in, the capitalist culture and the politics, how much money is going into education? Education seems to be costing the earth. When I went to university, it didn't cost a bean. That's because I was old and things were very different back then. But we're born into this world now that, that dictates that you've got to study hard, you know, go and get a job, have you get married, have 2.2 children, mm. pay your taxes and then die and we'll take <laughs> another load of money off you. And, and that is the opposite of the spiritual path. Yeah. And it's, a, you know, thank goodness I've woken up to that fact before I've put my clogs because, because, and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I'm lucky and privileged to be in a situation where I can do that. But I am, you know, uh, um, for the time being, a, a nomad living on a home that's on wheels. But my goodness, I can choose where I can go mm. and which bit of nature I'm going to sit in. And that's freedom, isn't it? That That's... It's real freedom. It's real freedom. And like I said, I hadn't done it for years. And... Um, I woke, uh, in fact, the very first night that I set off on this hero's journey from London in this 30-year-old 10,000-pound mobile home that wallows down the motorway at 55 miles an hour. And I arrived in Dorset and saw the sea and started crying. And then I got on the Swanage Ferry and they call my sort of mobile home a land yacht. And I used to own a boat. I'm, I, I love sailing. And my boat was called Aquavit, but its original name was Kukamula, which I always was going to change the name. But in boat ownership, it involved filling in forms, which I was never good at. But I could sit on the chain ferry going abroad to Swanage in my land yacht and there I sat and named my land yacht Kukamula and Kukamula is my where I am on my spiritual journey it's very tied in with my spiritual journey because it takes me to places to wherever I want to go and sit and contemplate and the biggest take-home bit of advice I could give is that you will only um, find yourself by stopping. Mm -hmm. and, and you can only look at yourself and make rational decisions from a place of calm. And it took, like I said, it took a couple of weeks of me being in nature to, for the, for the pressure cooker to go, and then, then the, the, the insights start coming. Yeah. And I need to go and do more of that so I can be a, a more valuable member of society and figure out what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> but you have been, um, well, let's talk a little bit about your poetry because you have been writing as well as your photography you yes. have been writing haven't you you've been I've also been thinking about I feel arrogantly like I've got a book in me until I read some books by authors where I go oh my goodness I should just 
you know, throw my pen and pencil away. <laughs> but I've, I feel, I, I don't know, I feel like I've got maybe something to share about my mm. spiritual journey, but I've been doing, writing a lot of poetry um, about this, these sort of things, but about lots of things, about, mm. uh, 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 about love, about failed love, um, family. I find some, you know, I've written poems in anger after a phone call with a member of my family, and <laughs> and it <laughs> it's cathartic in some way. And I write, you know, I write some silly stuff, uh, but I I I write what I'm thinking and i um i hope that people who read them it maybe makes them think it's about thinking it's about that yeah. introspection and so while i'm on my journey asking myself questions it's somehow maybe um helps me make sense of it by writing poetry and then it helps my ego being validated by thousands of people on my in instagram <laughs> <laughs> it's, still, it still doesn't make any money but i might publish a book of poetry and mm. go buy it <laughs> yeah so where where can people because i I guess when it warms up, you're going to get back on the road and go back and, and do some of your your van interviews. Are you, you know, where can people sort of follow your your happenings, <laughs> your they journey? Can, people, if they're interested, can follow my wonk, wonky happenings. And I've, I'm very proud of a, a, a hashtag that I feel I created, I think I created, called Celebrate the Wonky. And um, I so my van interviews, I've done seven or eight but they're on ice waiting for me to learn which platform or how to make it all work but i think that's going to be a, a youtube channel maybe an umbrella of my the brand celebrate the one yeah. currently if you want to look at what i'm sort of doing although that it's all you know there's no rhyme or reason to it it's poems it's it's portraits from when i was on the road it's old stuff is new stuff but you can find me on on, on instagram at at tom how t-o-m-h-o-w and i will tag in the notes the show notes of this podcast episode i will tag um your instagram account uh, and where people can follow you great and i'm i'm if uh if anyone was so bored that they actually watch all of this and have any questions <laughs> feel free to get in touch and ask me questions which I'll answer to the best of my ability <laughs> oh it's been good it's been it's it's been great episode I think people will find this um really quite interesting especially you know those that are on a similar journey that are going through a spiritual awakening right now or perhaps have been considering trying the ayahuasca ceremony oh my um, goodness yeah <laughs> you know there's 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 a lot to this and uh, we could probably go on and on and on and talk in fact we'll probably have to, we'll have to do another episode at another point <laughs> talking yeah. about uh, more of this um <laughs> but I, I was trying to think of how to conclude and and with and uh um as far as my life experience goes, and it's and it's getting you to try and look at things. Often things are 180 degrees out of kilter, and I, I, I um, I'm going to quote Sartre saying, "Life begins on the far side of despair." So. The worse the shit you're in, you need to realize that, that that is the source of the very most beautiful silver lining and don't run away from it. Mm. It takes courage, it really does. Yeah, some, you know, some really wise words. And um, this for me has actually been really 
you know it's given me a lot to think about actually just talking to you about this and I think as I say we could go on and on and talk about so many things <laughs> um but yeah, yeah really, that's really an important words. Thank you. <laughs> but another thing that I was just I was thinking was crikey you know my background in celebrity photography you know if the phone rang asking me to do a portrait of Steven Spielberg. I would shit myself, <laughs> my French. I would, and I'd be, my, my mind would be full of all sorts of doubts and the duck would come out and the paddles would start going like fury. And then learning what I've learned, I'd not get engrossed in that. And it's only hypothetical because the phone is not going to ring, ask me to photograph him. But if it did, I know I would take, given what I've learned about myself, give him 10 minutes with me or an afternoon. Um, um, and it wouldn't be your, it wouldn't be lit with, a thousand pounds worth of lighting and assistance running around it would be me, the sun, a reflector, and him, and it would be a great portrait. Mm. And mm. and um, when I photograph people now, one of my things is to ask them to give me nothing, give me nothing. But it, you you have to wait for that moment of silence, and those portraits are the most powerful ones that I take because they give you not nothing. Deep, yeah. Well, I've just given away my whole <laughs> USP. <laughs> I have to think of the next thing. <laughs> oh no, this is, it's been great and um, we're going to wrap it up now, but I think we'll definitely have to do another episode at some point. Um, so thank you so much, Tom. And uh, as I say, I will make sure that I will share all your links in the show notes so people know where they can come and follow all of your happenings. So Pretty thank clear. you so much. Then, well, no, it's a real pleasure. And um, was, it's the first podcast I've ever done. So there we go. Thanks for putting up with me. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Thank you. All right, bless you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to me today. I do hope my information has been useful in some way. Now, if you have enjoyed listening, then I would really appreciate if you leave me a review over on iTunes or any other platform that you are listening from. Thank you.